0: Hi, welcome back to session number three. I'm still with Lord Paul, (laughs) Paul of the Harris, and uh, from, from Real Success, who's got that wealth of farming experience that he brings to the table for me. Well, today we're talking about my little niche, which is goal setting and planning. Now, Paul, do you set goals?
1: I do set goals. Not as often as I should do, though, to be fair. Right. Um, so often um, I probably fall into that category of New Year's resolution. You heard of that sort of style of uh, goal setting? Okay. So get to the end of the year and think, right, what am I going to achieve this year? And I do it maybe once rather than repeating it again. And occasionally halfway through the year, I think... Mm, I need to have a look at those goals. Um, what, I actually, moment, yeah. what I actually do <laughs> do, though, I actually record my goals, so as I often call them intentions as well. So I'll record them into my phone so that I can listen back to them. So right. I'll often remind myself, oh, I've listened to what my, what are my intentions sure. at the start of the year, and I'll record them. But I'm sure there's more I could be doing, Dave, with, with my goal setting, definitely.
0: Well, you've used some great words there, like intentions, mm-hmm. which you, a lot of people, when they set a goal, it's an intention, 99% of the time, a positive one. Can I ask you, please be straight,
1: mm-hmm.
0: do you have a written-down, well-structured, personal and business goal?
1: So uh, it was nice knowing everybody. I'll, uh, I'll see you shortly.
0: <laughs> and that's the response I normally get, yeah. even in chief exec groups, believe it or not, mm-hmm. of, of any type of industrial business. It is not uncommon for sometimes mm-hmm. as few as 5 in 20 people working at the level you guys are working at, business owners, productive, contributing people, effective human beings that others look up Mm -hmm. to, to actually not have a written down, well-structured and formulated plan, both personally and professionally. Now, last time we talked about cows and rhinos and how traditionally 3% of the population see what they want, go for it. These are people with well-structured, written down, formulated plans, personally and professionally, that review it, so it's not just an intention, it's a list of actions that they f- that they propagate. So, we're going to talk about goal setting. For some of you, you'll go, oh, I don't need to set goals, I'm happy with my lot.
1: Often, David, you know, in far- <laughs> often in farming, uh, I think we will sit down with our business consultant at the beginning of the year and agree a budget? Mm-hmm. And is it true to say for some of us out there, it's the budget that's the goal? It was, what do we, we set in terms of a financial set of numbers? Here are the numbers on my P&L. That's my goal. What's wrong with that, David?
0: There's nothing wrong with that as a goal. Mm-hmm. As long as you know why you want it.
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Do any of us actually ask us, ourselves that question. So why is it important that we hit this budget? Yeah. What often, are you what often, are you gonna do with it? Often it's just survival, David. It's just how do we survive? No. I am so
0: pleased you said that, Paul, because you're right. In the farming industry, in the world of agriculture in particular, and well, and most farming, it's it is about oh subsidies being removed, um, grants being removed. We've got to we've got to survive. Got to survive yeah. And do you remember last time when we talked about the circles? If you're in survival mode, what are you thinking? How's that making you feel? Mm. So both your thoughts and your feelings Mm. are fearful, which is away from motivation. Therefore, (laughs) what kind of experiences are you going to put yourself up there for? How are your outcomes of behaviours going to be? And how's that going to drive the next lot of thoughts and feelings?
1: And often what it means is that we then look at our costs on our P&L and l and we'll start, I need to cut the labour cost. I need to cut this cost. I need to cut the cost, cut costs. Now, that may well be the right approach, but actually it might well be a fear-based approach, which is how Absolutely. am I going to survive? And yeah, let's be clear, there are times that we have to make those tough decisions to cut our costs. But I think where I sense you're leading us here, David, is there's a bit more potentially that we could be could be thinking about.
0: <laughs> there's lots more. Do you remember last time Paul and I spoke about you've got to work with what's true in a situation? And not just understand it, but accept it. So, if it's true that times are hard, budgets are tight, and you're in genuinely in survival mode, is it true, therefore, that the whole industry has gone to hell in a handcart? <laughs>
1: no.
0: Or are there people out there mm. who are thriving, mm. surviving, and doing really well? Are there 2 to 3% of people in your exact same situation who right now Foom, mega, they're doing really well. Why? Mm -hmm. What is it they're doing differently? How are they thinking? How are they feeling and reacting? What experiences are they putting themselves up for? So it might be true that things are tough, but we determine how we respond to it. And we'll we'll allude to that why thing we've just talked about in a sec, Paul. But at, at the risk of sounding cheesy, The reason I talk about goal setting is because for the first 30 years of my life, I strived for and achieved nothing at all, (laughs) average at best. Then when I learned from my research interviews with super, super successful men and women from all over the world, that they do not set average goals. Now, you may have heard the expression, realistic and achievable goals, or smart targets. Now... Most people are, sorry, you could probably tell from the sneer in my voice <laughs> what, where this is going. Most people, even in business schools, leadership development programmes, most goal-setting and planning yeah. books talk about realistic and achievable goals or smart targets.
1: That's because we're scared of not achieving them. Yeah, if, yeah. if I make it too big, then I can't achieve it. If I make it realistic then I'm more, like, I'm more likely to achieve it,
0: aren't I? 100%, 100% on the money, pool. Sorry, I shook my head. Yes, 100%, 100% on the money, pool. It's, it's because we fear a lack of control, a lack of security, or a lack of approval from our peers. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we play safe, seeking more elements of control, feel more secure, and approval from other people. Three of the foundations for emotional and mental well-being. So, smarter. Most of you are aware it stands for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, not realistic, and time bound or timely. Most people assume, assume that it was created by a guy called Peter Drucker Mm -hmm. because of a book, what he wrote, inside which he talked about smart goals. He was one of the first to publish it, but he was not the original creator of the acronym. That was a guy called George T. Duran. In America, and and he, he was a project manager. Get this, right? Paul, I've read everything he's written. Mm-hmm. And to my knowledge, I've watched the only video that exists of him being interviewed. In which he never once, not once, talks about how your goals should be smart. Not once. What does he say then? He says when you're working on a really big project, the steps to your goal should be smart.
1: Right. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: All of a sudden, oh yeah, kind of a no-brainer. This guy did not, he wasn't an average project manager. He worked on multi-billion dollar water utility projects and was a university professor on the subject. Hmm. So if his intention was that we set big projects with incremental steps to our goal that are realistic and achievable or smart, what would actually stop you if everything on your to-do list was realistic and achievable? Hmm? What would actually be a blocker for you from preventing you from not just surviving but thriving?
1: This is reminding me of your five minute discussion where the, the little steps are all lots of five minutes and that then means you can expand. Someone that comes to mind is do you think that someone like Richard Branson? Set smart goals, realistic goals. <laughs> a guy that you know had a record shop and then ended up with you know condoms, air air planes. Do you think that's somebody that set
0: small well, goals? I know for a fact because some somebody you've met, a friend of mine, who uh, was his global group brand manager. Wow. When Virgin brand was going prolific, mm-hmm. um, he used to sit at the table with Sir I know Richard Branson doesn't set realistic and achievable goals. What he does, he sets possibly the most massive goals you could imagine and then gets other people to do realistic and achievable tasks to take the goal to there its conclusion. Mm-hmm. And, and, and think throughout history. Could, could you imagine the conversation if someone dared to turn around to an Egyptian pharaoh and went, You want to build what? <laughs> yes. what? What? We haven't got cranes, we haven't even got a written language, and you want to, where do you want to get the stone from? 60 miles away, how, what? You wanna do what? Imagine someone saying no to a pharaoh, but look what we've got. Could you imagine if someone turned round (laughs) at a time when most human beings on the planet believe the world to be flat, right? Could you imagine someone go? Christopher Glover's going, hey guys, down the pub, he says, guys, got this idea, right? I don't think the world's flat. No, I think it's round, okay, round. I think if we go sailing in that direction, we won't plummet off the edge into an abyss never to be seen again if we get past the mermaids and the sea serpent. I actually assume that we'll go round, yes, round the world and end up where we start. You can imagine his friends going, yeah. No, you'll fall off. Yeah.
1: You go to the edge and you're going to fall off into oh, well, I, abyss. Think,
0: I think they'd kill him as a heretic. Yeah. Um, so.
1: it's the same with, with, you know, get it, uh, we, people talk about Kennedy, don't they, and the space programme mm. in America, which was about getting a man on the moon. I mean. Which so, wasn't the goal. In, what was the goal?
0: Ah, there's, there is a famous, and I'm yet to find out whether it's true, but there is a famous quote that says, Kennedy's goal was not to get people to the moon. His goal was to get people to the moon and safely back again.
1: Ah, very important distinction.
0: You've got to you've got to be careful what you wish for when yeah, setting goals. My yeah, friends.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, these what, so this is, is this illustrating what you're talking about in terms of the difference between this realistic or relevant or small step goals to the actual bigger goal itself? Is that what you're leading really yeah, to? Yeah, absolutely. And from a farming perspective, we might have we need to do some steps to survive. Absolutely, mm-hmm. but is that the goal? Is that the only goal? 100%. Surely it could be bigger or more than that, I think, is what you're suggesting.
0: And and taking that JF Kennedy quote, if it's true, to the farming perspective, which is, is your goal to meet budget or is your goal to meet budget, working less, spending more time on holiday or with mm. the family and with a happy, productive team? Interesting. What is the goal? And as nailed down specific as you can make it. Also... <laughs> Here's the thing. I've interviewed, as of Paul and I sitting here today, 258 top achievers. I've asked them all the same question, which is, how do you set goals? Just This is just in case anyone needs some more credibility before they listen to what I'm going to say next. 258 top achievers, men and women, every walk of life you could imagine, asking them, how do you set goals? How many of them, Paul, do you think answered said question by going, ooh, I set realistic and achievable (laughs) goals or smart targets? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Zero. Zero. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not one of them. Mm.
0: So, if people who haven't achieved much are telling us to set realistic and achievable goals, Mm. but really successful people set massive goals, that is the most common word used in the answer to how you set goals in my research, who's got it right? Mm.
1: It depends what you want, I guess. Ah, the old chestnut. It depends what you want. I, there might be some people listening out there who are, are happy with the way things are, and that's okay, isn't it? If, if, okay,
0: if they are genuinely happy with their lot, these are the people who perhaps I've got the most respect for in the world.
1: Mm-hmm. Why is that, David? Well,
0: in my experience, in the last 23 years of presenting to 1.2 million people mm-hmm. and people saying to me, but I'm happy with my lot, and then me asking two or three questions, that make they go, oh. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so perhaps I'm not quite as happy as I thought I was.
0: <laughs> well, we fool ourselves Isn't that, that we're all okay. Yeah. All, I need, all I typically say to people is, so you don't want more. Or if anybody listening to this is old enough, like me, to remember nineteen seventies washing powder adverts, are you happy with your wash? You know, do do you want whiter whites? Do you want a bit more money in the bank? Do you want a bit more time off? Do you want to be less stressed? Do you want your do you want to be able to have a conversation with your kids without you snapping at them or them snapping at you? I
1: think you you've just hit on something really important for the people listening from the farming sector. Um, is that It's what do you really want more of? Mm. And certainly a lot of people I speak to in farming, and not always the farmer, but maybe it's the farmer's partner, says, I just wish we could have more of them. How many farmers don't go on holiday with their children because they say they can't leave the farm? I talk to a lot of people who run farms who holiday separately because they can't leave the farm together. So it might, our most precious resource, of course, being time. If you're massive goal actually beyond survival this year is to take a two week holiday (laughs) uh, that that could be so huge and so significant that that is actually a a, a massive goal and I think for many people listening and watching time getting time back would be one of those massive goals which to other people you think well, a two week holiday that's just normal isn't it I know that many people listening here haven't taken holiday uh, and yet you know one of my biggest messages to farmers is let's get your life back that should be one of your goals is get some time back you know and i think um just being that as a as a massive goal would be huge for some people i i that i think that is awesome yeah
0: i i'm already thinking of two farmers i know personally who would go oh yeah yeah that would be good and and your comment about so you're happy
1: with the way things are there's also I think we need to be aware in the agricultural sector um and this may be controversial but that's partly what this 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 program is meant to be to get us thinking I think there's also an element of you would call it in an old-fashioned way a sort of a macho um working hard holidays for wimps didn't you know I haven't got time to take holiday. I'm far too important. 100 hours a week, 365. As if it's some badge of honour that we don't get time back. So I would set a goal for the industry, you know, almost a massive goal for the industry is let's get people having the time to be away from their farms and take genuine holiday time. Not that holiday time where for the first four days you just collapse onto a beach and sleep because you're so exhausted. You have a couple of days where you enjoy yourself and then the next four days you're worrying and back on the phone before you get back to the farm. Yeah. Quality time. That would be an awesome goal for this industry to achieve, I think.
0: And if anyone remembers the cow and rhino statistics, but the percentages, mm. in my experience only, there are only 2 to 3% of people who end up genuinely happy with their lot. Mm. And these people really are at peace with themselves and the world and their work or their business and their career and their friends and their families and their relationships. And they tend to be just 2 to 3% of the population
1: the rhinos that's a scary statistic it
0: is is terrifying most of us Mm. we we convince ourselves we're happy with our lot Mm. to stop us from wanting things and then not doing it in case we fail or people don't like Mm. us
1: good
0: point so it goes back to the thoughts driving the feelings driving the experiences driving it. it all comes back to it
1: so how do we do it
0: well there are two things number one is we set massive goals which when when paul's gone. I'll, I'll show you a little thing called a triangle, right? It's really good. Mm It will change your life. It's changed mine massively. I'm going to share with you a proven goal setting process taught to me by top achievers. There's one last thing though, other, other than knowing what the goal is being specific and making sure it's massive and exciting. we said about the why you've got to know why you want it. Because if people do set a big goal, Typically, we'll try, we'll start, and then it'll get hard, or we'll mm. stumble, trip, fall, fail, face plant on the patio, or we'll we'll, we'll, we'll struggle at some point mm. with a massive mm. goal. And we'll say, told you I'd fail, at least I tried. It's too hard. And then we give in and walk mm. away. Mm. What I want you to consider is this, my friends. If it's truly a massive goal, something you really, really want... You've got to have a reason why you want it that is bigger than your fear or insecurity around it.
1: Can you give some examples of that? What would uh, somebody's why be in business? Not just in farming, but some examples of the people you've spoken to would have been their whys that have enabled them to overcome those challenges that are naturally going to come up when you're chasing a big goal.
0: Oh, I can give you both a personal and a business example. Great. So, in my in my speaking business, when I first started, I was all about me. I wanted approval, acceptance. I want people to give me standing ovations, make me feel good. And sadly, I was incredibly ego-driven. And all I wanted was for people to like me and tell me how good I am. So you can imagine all I needed was one person to tell me I was rubbish, and that would it boom blown out of the water. You know, I told you I was rubbish, <laughs> sulked for a week, because one person out of a hundred didn't like me. Whoopee doo. Then I began to realise that all the time I'm thinking about me and my feelings, I am not in service of the people in front of me. And that was that wasn't a light bulb moment. That was that was an arc lamp. It was a, <laughs> it was, it was like a, <laughs> moment. Absolutely colossal for me, and so ever since then, I have given everything I can in service of the audience, and the difference Paul that has made. Because now I accept that occasionally people aren't going to like me. Mm-hmm. Statistically, you know, one or two in every hundred of you <laughs> lot you're not going to like me. You're going to much prefer Paul. <laughs> and vice versa. And vice versa. Mm-hmm. All we can do is work with what's true. But if I'm sitting here worrying about the two or three of you that aren't going to like me, I'm not in service to the 97% who, if I serve
1: you, I can help you. So how did that that shift, that focus to now having the why being quite different, how's that manifested in terms of the size of the goal that you set or even the success that you've achieved? I, I, this sounds
0: flippant. But my turnover has pretty much gone up year on year without trying any harder and the impact. So now my goals aren't financial. My goals are measured impact. Mm -hmm. So every year I look at who's done what using my content, who has achieved something, setting a massive goal. Last time we talked about Peter, the plowing champion. Mm -hmm. You know, he was a big tick in my box. For me, I didn't earn any money from Peter <laughs> achieving his goal. Nothing, not a cent. Boy, did I feel good because mm-hmm. I was in service to him and look what he achieved. Other than my family, Paul, the thing I'm most proud of in my business, it's not the turnover, it's not the profit, it's not the way we sell and market or promote. It's the things other people have done. Mm-hmm. And because that is now my motivation, I don't you can say this is a genuine smile. My motivation is impact, not applause now, mm-hmm. not money. I happen to get applause and I happen to make money because I'm in service. So now the business is purpose driven.
1: So how has that helped you when you've hit an obstacle? You said at the beginning, when you have your why, that will help you to overcome obstacles. So now you've got this real sort of impact driven purpose. How has that helped you overcome obstacles that you faced? Well, that, that's a good question because we haven't prepared this. But mm-hmm. ironically,
0: let me take a personal example where that exact thing happened. First time I ever set a big goal, I was terrified to my core. Mm-hmm. I was a chef. I was I only had my spare time. I was working by myself. Never fundraised for charity before. And my brilliant idea was, Dave, why don't you see if big goals work by trying to raise a lot of money in one event for a local charity? So I went to, Paul, Cancer Research at Birmingham. Mm-hmm. They were called the Crab Appeal. And these were like seven men and women, big hitters in the West Midlands in industry, who raised awareness and funds Mm -hmm. for cancer research at the university hospital. I walked in, a little fat guy from Birmingham, (laughs) dressed in chef's whites, with my notes shaking in my hand because I wasn't a professional speaker then. And I said, "Um, I've interviewed some successful people. I want to see if this thing works, massive goals. And I want to raise a lot of money in one event. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. (laughs) And after asking a couple of questions, they essentially said... With respect, you can't do this. Bye-bye. Thank you for showing an interest in cancer research. Goodbye. What you're doing is ridiculous. Unachievable. Now, previously in my life, Paul, if that would have happened to me, I probably would have sulked. Mm. I would have walked out, thrown a bit of a pity party. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if I'd have really it get to me, I'd have either got angry or perhaps even got upset. But what they didn't know is that three or four months earlier, I'd lost my mum very suddenly to cancer. Now, I don't want to bring the mood down, but <laughs> I lost my mum to cancer very suddenly, never got to say goodbye properly. So I promised over her deathbed that I would do something significant in my life to help other people in her name. They didn't know that. But when I walked out of the room for the first time, instead of going, oh, no, at least I tried, and giving in, I walked out going, really? Over my dead body, and I'm going to fail. Yeah, watch, watch me. Watch this. Yeah. And I'll be honest, there were several other major hurdles and obstacles and challenges where we sh- perhaps at one stage should have given up and walked away, my friend and I. But because our resolve and our purpose and our why was much bigger than our fears of failure mm. and insecurities, we smashed it. I, I, I will demonstrate to this two later on in the video, but we didn't raise fifty thousand pounds. But we did raise £288,000, smashing not only the Crab Appeals fundraising records, but at the time for a volunteer, Cancer Research UK's fundraising record. And we smashed it out the park because we had two things. Number one, massive goal that really excited us. Mm. And two... We had a reason why we must. over our dead bodies do we need to fail. And Paul's Mm -hmm. Paul's message to you earlier about if you haven't got a massive goal, how about taking two weeks off this year Mm -hmm. on a beach in Spain with a pina colada in your right hand and your sunglasses in your left. (laughs) No, have your sunglasses on your head, that's where they should be. But if that is truly a massive goal for you, think about your well-being, the time with your family, reconnecting with your loved ones, or you just having some... Some downtime, to rest and downtime. Is that a big enough why? If not, find one. But that reason why. Is the biggest motivator of all towards a massive goal pool.
1: Okay. What was the business example that you gave?
0: The business example was of my own business being purpose driven. Got you. Um, oh yes, yeah.
1: I'm with you now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I, I could also tell you about a kitchen company in Warsaw, <laughs> who was only about the money, and boy were they good at making money. Uh, he's now a good friend of mine. Started off as a client called Sat Sat Sembi, made luxury kitchens, look, fitted and manufactured luxury kitchens. And he said, um, all this wise stuff, what's all that about? I says, well, why do you make money then? He says, well, to provide for the family. I went, with respect, sir, you're minted. <laughs> you know, he's, he's one of the richest men in the West Midlands. He's, he's minted. He makes truckloads of money. I said, you've got enough money. Why are you still so driven? And he thought about it. And I don't know what the culture is in your family or in your community or in your industry. But in his community, he sighed and he went, actually, I just need to be seen to be doing better than my brother. <laughs> I went, what? And then I told him exactly what I've just said to you. He goes, I have a reason why that's bigger than your fears. What you're doing is fear-based. So, and being financially doing really well. He came back from a holiday um, where his family originated from and he'd spent some time there and he came back. And he came back with no suitcases, big draggled. and I says, whoa, whoa, "Whoa, what's happened?" He says, "Dave, I just gave everything away that I went out there with." Well, oh, great respect to you. He says, "But Dave, I know my why." I went, "What is it, mate?" And he said, "I need to get the team and the families buying, but I saw so many kids in the villages with eye problems that if we make enough money." We could make a massive difference. Now, that's a why, not a what, to make a massive difference in Mm -hmm. the community. I wonder if that could be for your farm. Could you make a massive difference in your community? Maybe. So he got his family's buying, his team's buying. He says, if we hit this, that's what we did last year, gangbusters, because we had a good year. But if we achieve a step above, how about, would you be okay? If we can hit that target, we make a difference by doing this, 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 this and this in the communities and they all agreed and they smashed it out the park mate smashed it out the park mm. so that is the power of having a why. a why a powerful why it smashes through the fears the insecurities and it just makes you so much more resilient to the challenges and obstacles
1: so as a background to what you're going to talk about in terms of how we set massive goals mm-hmm. that the point you're making is that it can be difficult when we're on a farm to be thinking massively. It could be we're thinking survival, but actually it could be a massive emotional goal, which is this maybe some time off with the family. It could be raising some money for a charity. It doesn't have to be specifically business related. It can just be something that really means something to us. 100%. Okay. 100%. And uh, I'm not
0: trying to encourage anyone to diversify and go to an attraction farm, but I spoke at a the Farm Attractions Association conference. And one of the guys got up to speak was, I think, a former chairman of the association. And he owned a farm down south, Devon Cornwall, Somerset Way, called The Big Sheep.
1: Oh, The Big Sheep. have been there.
0: If you've ever gone down the M5, (laughs) you'll have seen the signs. The Big Sheep. Mm. And this guy, he was intelligent. He was witty. He was funny. We'll try and get one as a guest if we can. Um, And the reason I remember it so clearly is because he said we were getting stressed about all these sheep that we had to feed. He says, just by thinking and behaving differently, his words, not mine, he says, by thinking and behaving differently, we decided to set a big goal for the project and we turned it into a partly attraction to begin with. And the first thing we discovered is that people would pay to park their car on a field we don't use. (laughs) Cha-ching. Secondly, people would then pay us to feed our sheep for us. <laughs> Cha-ching. And he says, that is what gave him then the confidence. But him and his family had a why. They knew they needed to change. And they they wasn't just about survival, they wanted to change so that they were working less. He said, he says, I don't work seven days a week now. I don't work 40 hours a week now.
1: Or 60, 70, 80 60, hours 70, a 60, 70, 80,
0: yes, mm-hmm. indeed. So In a minute, I'm gonna show you the process. Here's the thing. If you only use this process for your daily or weekly to-do list, anyone do to-do list? Mm -hmm. If you only use it for your daily or weekly to-do list, I can report back an average increase in productivity of 26.5% for you. Now, that's to take to the bank, even if you don't use it for a massive goal just for your daily, weekly, monthly productivity, up 26.5% if you set your goals and your daily tasks in the way I'm about to show you. However, if for that 5 to 10 minutes a day you focus diligently on the task towards your massive goal, can anyone remember the percentage of productivity? You can go up over a year in excess of 112%. That kind of mentality and thinking, Paul, isn't survival. No that's massive that's massive it's thriving it's glorious glorious
1: and it's it it's interesting as well and we, um, we talk about what is success and and you know for some people survival is success for others growth is success it's a very personal thing isn't it and anyone listening has to get what's right for them out of this what's their version but what we're really saying is that we don't have to be mediocre is what I'm hearing from you <laughs> David
0: I, yes uh, Paul <laughs> <laughs> You said one of my favourite words, mediocre. Mediocre. We don't have to
1: be mediocre. We can strive for more. And I think sometimes when there's all this coming at the industry, all these different factors that are making it very difficult, almost there's a a risk that mediocrity can creep in through the back door almost, because almost that might be enough for us to survive. Whereas I think what you're saying, your message, is actually we can think beyond that. We can think bigger than that.
0: If anybody listening to this remembers per-tempts recruitment... They were big in the high street, mega, mega uh, recruitment chain. I think they've changed their name now. But um, their founder and CEO, Tim Watts, one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the country, I said to him, how do you set goals, Mr. Watts? Now, successful, pragmatic, sensible businessman, right? He said, I set big, fat, hairy goals to you. I nearly spat out my tea I had in my mouth. I went, sorry? And he went, big, fat, hairy goals. I said, Mr Watts, are you aware people are being taught to set realistic and achievable goals? And when he finished belly egg laughing, mm-hmm. he looked me square in the eye and without a heartbeat said, you mean we're setting people up for mediocrity at best? Yeah. And I've remembered that ever since that day. And when I look back, a lot of the top achievers, their perception of realistic goals mm-hmm. or whatever goal, or not having goals, Mr and Mrs Farmer, is mediocrity at best. Now, don't you deserve better than that? My assumption is you absolutely do. My assumption is that you can have more. Okay, that's my assumption, and not just an assumption. It's my experience based upon one point two million people having experienced the goal setting process. So, how about we get into that? Have you got any any other questions before we get? No, to the just moment? I
1: think uh, I think the the principle of not accepting mediocrity is one that I think, whether, uh, whether for some people big hairy goal will be more emotional, physical, spiritual, it doesn't have to be a lump of cash, it doesn't have to be, uh, it's very personal. Yeah. And I think I would just encourage those out there listening who've listened to this last sort of 20 minutes, half an hour discussion on goal setting, take it on board for them, what's right for them personally, and choose your big, what was it, big fat hairy goal? Big fat hairy goal. <laughs> uh, that will work for you
0: brilliant <laughs> and and in a world full of colour don't be beige don't be, don't be vanilla alright just don't be beige so uh, Paul thank you very much for your time today I'm brilliant. Gonna, I'm gonna, I know you've got to run so I'll, I'll let you love me and leave me metaphorically speaking and uh, I will now show you the massive gold process see you soon